0: Pussy Power Podcast! Hi, Kate. Hey, Loralee. This is the Pussy Power Podcast. Meow. And this is an exciting episode because it's the final episode of season one. Well, penultimate.
1: Because we just have so many things to say, which is why our episodes get longer and longer. So we were like, maybe we should actually be splitting this up. Into Laura Lee's and my ranting about politics and talking about cats and stuff, and
0: an I episode guess. just with the guests. So we're gonna start releasing the news episodes and the pop culture episodes on Wednesdays, which will be in the Muse. Mm-hmm. Then on Fridays, we're it's what do we call it?
1: Feminist friend fur end Fridays because it's furry like a cat. Yeah, exactly, it's fun.
0: <laughs> so this is the first episode that we're gonna do that with. And it is the last episode Of season 1 1A, 1B, or whatever
1: Penultimate episode of season 1 Yeah So congratulations for making it this far We're really excited to have you as our listeners And we hope that you'll join us for season 2 When we start back up on September 5th
0: Very exciting Is there a cat pun for 5? Um... I I can't do it I put you right on the spot I can't do it off the top of my head (laughs) No, I can't, I'm sorry too much pressure. You know would
1: be fun to have on as a guest who's very good at puns? Who? Hannah Hart. Who's that? My Drunk Kitchen.
0: Oh, yeah. I love her. I mean, five could be like, for Rive, but no, thrives.
1: I feel like there's a better one, but I have no idea what yeah. it is
0: because I am not the pun master. Here you are. I just need, I need like 20 minutes, but I'm not going to be thinking about it because I want to be present and here with you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I feel like it's going to pop up in an unexpected we'll moment. We'll see. Maybe. Do you want to start by talking about the film that I haven't seen that I resent you <sighs> <in> talking about?
1: <laughs> well, I feel like maybe we should just jump in with the thing that we both looked up yeah. independent of one another because it's fucking crazy, which is Les Moonves. I don't know if I'm saying his name yeah. right. Head of CBS. Ugh. Ugh. Still, despite all these fucking allegations, he's still the CEO and uh, corporate... Corporation, corporate. I just wrote "corp." Chairman of CBS.
0: Yeah, so he's facing sexual misconduct allegations. Ronan Farrow, badass, uh, posted a dynamite article in the New Yorker. Oh, about yeah, that's the really long one, story. right? With all of the different women's yep. stories. So he broke the story, and it's interesting. In the article, it talks about how Moonves in December helped found the Commission on Eliminating mm-hmm. Sexual Harassment and Advancing Equality in the Workplace, which is chaired by Anita Hill, which is awesome. But also, this is like, you know, another example of someone doing one thing in the public eye and then another Makes in private. Eric Schneiderman. Yeah, no, that's what I thought of too. Yeah. Uh, and so six women who had professional dealings with him told Ronan that between the 1980s and the late 2000s uh, that he had sexually harassed them. Four... Uh, described forcible touching or kissing Mm. during business meetings in what they said appeared to be a practiced routine. So this is something he did with a lot of people. And it's
1: especially creepy because like these women, like I'm thinking specifically there were two stories that really just made me so angry. Ileana Douglas and Janet Jones both described how they went in for meetings in his office that were business meetings and then like it would be late most of the people in the office had gone home the assistant greeted them they went into the meeting when they left the meeting the assistant was not there it was a rehearsed thing where they were alone
0: with this and he was probably like assistant leave yeah. after they arrive. exactly Ugh. like you said a practice routine normally i mean i was an executive assistant for a long time you stay until your boss leaves like that's a very normal thing as an mm-hmm. assistant so it's strange to me that the assistant would have left unless he explicitly told them to
1: Oh, yeah. They never would have left if they hadn't yeah. been
0: told. Yeah. I
1: just assumed that, also yeah. having worked in a corporate yeah. environment. Yeah.
0: Well, some people may not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not normal.
1: And, like, he was such a... I mean, he, dude is making more money than any other person in television. He makes... His salary is $69 million. Oh, my God. 69 plus. Like, 69.3. And that point three is actually, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Um... He's this huge bigwig, so he has tons of control over people's careers. So when he says that he can ruin someone, he really can and does. Yeah. So these women would be afraid of speaking out. So the the two stories here are are different, actually. There's Ileana Douglas, who was... Six feet under. She's an actress. Yeah, yeah, six feet under. And she was pitching a show that she was also going to act in. And then he forcibly kissed her. And she was really... Like, tried to be polite and tactful about it and wasn't going to sue. And then it blew up in her face anyway, and she got fired from her own show, and all this stuff happened, and so she hired a lawyer. Yeah. And the lawyer literally just called CBS and had a conversation of, like, maybe you should talk with Les Moonves about the meeting in his office, and maybe you guys will change your mind about paying her the money that she's owed. Right. And, and it was they? like a junior staffer who he spoke with. yeah. and then, like the head of it called him back. So clearly they were taking this very seriously and they know what kind of stuff happens in right. his office and what he does. And then they offered her half of what they owed her. and then they offered her another series that was gonna be two hundred fifty thousand. like to silence her exactly. yeah, instead of having her sue and then having, you know, the what's
0: I mean, it called settlement instead very of much a settlement like Bill Cosby it's that. and uh, and Matt Lauer. Too. Yeah, it's these
1: powerful men who think they can get away with shit because they have for decades, and, and no more. Times
0: up. Clearly, people know about it around them, and that's something that I read is that you know there was a quote from someone who didn't want to be named that said it's top down. The culture of older men who have all this power, and you are nothing. Mm-hmm. The company is shielding lots of bad behavior, so it's not it's not happening just from less Like all, no, a bunch of like other the shows whole CBS environment having, Exactly, it's a toxic environment.
1: Um, And Janet Jones, I thought, was an interesting story because in her case, she went in for this business meeting, like a pitch, it was her first pitch, I think, and she was really prepared, and she sits down with him in his office, and she starts pitching this this idea. Mm -hmm. And he, like again, forces himself on her, and she starts yelling and hitting him, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Good. And he was like, oh, I just wanted a kiss. And she's like, no, what is wrong with you? This is not how you conduct a business meeting. And then when she left, saw that the assistant was no longer there, and then got a threatening call because she did speak out, unlike Ileana Douglas in the instant, because, yeah. you know, she was so scared of hurting her career. Yeah. Janet Jones did speak up right away, and then, like, shortly after, got a call from him just yelling at her and saying he was going to ruin her career that she would never work again and she was petrified Like, just the amount of power that he has and all of this very blatant just saying I don't have any memory of this incident it didn't happen it's the Trump thing of just denying things that did happen and there are corroborations people talked to each other other people can back this up from when it happened Right. I'm so sick of it time's
0: up Time is up, motherfuckers. 30 current and former employees of CBS told Ronan Farrow that this behavior extended from Moonves to important parts of the corporation. Mm-hmm. So like 60 minutes, a bunch of news stuff that are behaving in a similar manner or know about it and are shielding him. Colbert did a segment about it. I think, it I don't know if it was yesterday. It might have been yesterday. Mm-hmm. Because Colbert's show is on CBS. Like, Les Moonves is his guy. Like, he's the one who chose him for that job. Uh And in the... It's a great... It was a great piece. He was essentially like, you know, he's my guy, he's a person that I've gone to and I've respected. But, um, this is a quote, everybody believes in accountability until it's their guy. Accountability is meaningless unless it's for everybody, whether it's the leader of a network or the leader of the free world. Which is a pretty... You know, yeah. hard-hitting statement. I recommend looking up Colbert's statement about it because he's calling out his boss, mm-hmm. you know, and that's important to do. It's No hard. one should be above the law. Exactly. Absolutely. And no one should be made to feel like they aren't a human and they aren't important because someone has power over them. Yeah. The silencing and the fear has gone on for far too long. And... We, as women, are worth it. Like, we are worth everything, you know? Like, I feel like these powerful men make women feel like their word isn't worth it. That people are never going to believe them. Mm -hmm. And that's something the Me Too movement, I hope, has started to change, is that we're trying to shift from victim blaming. We're trying to say, like, our words matter, our opinions matter, my experiences matter.
1: And I feel optimistic.
0: I really do think it's making a change. I mean, I even feel more empowered to speak up about things than I ever have before.
1: Me too. Did I tell you about that guy when I was meditating on the train? No. This was maybe a week or two I ago. Think so. I think I was uh, I was heading to Brooklyn, so it was a really long train ride that I was going to be on because I'm coming from Upper Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So I'm on this long train ride, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a nice time to just chill out and meditate. I'll listen to my, you know, meditation app. So I have my eyes closed. I'm You know in the corner on the subway so i'm by myself my stuff is in my lap and then this guy like thwacks my knee to get my attention and i i pull my my earbud out and the train is pretty you know empty except for him sitting right in front of me staring at me like trying to hit on me and i didn't even listen to what he was saying i just started yelling at him and it's funny because i was meditating so i I should have been in this tranquil spot but i had been so ripped out of it. Yeah. That I was just pissed. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And he tries to talk and I'm like, no, no, go away. And I literally make a shooing gesture and I'm like, <laughs> go sit over there. Clearly I have my headphones in because I don't want to talk
0: to you. Fuck off. Yeah. I was very upset. Yeah. How did he take it?
1: Um He swore at me, predictably, but he did move. I think he continued to like, swear the rest of the ride.
0: Yeah, because you made him feel less masculine. Ugh. <sighs>
1: But, like, we do not exist to just I know have conversations with you or to... Whenever
0: you want.
1: What about what I want?
0: I don't want to talk to you right now. That is it's why, why I have, have, have my headphones, headphones in. in. Yeah. That's a very clear social cue that you don't want to fucking talk to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. In other news that's not about sexual Tell health, me, Laura Lee. Beyonce. Oh, my God! Queen B. Beyonce. So I went to the Beyoncé concert yesterday, yes, Jay-Z was there, no it was not his concert, in Philadelphia, and it was incredible. She is so inspiring in that she is a complete artist, like, she ensures that everyone who goes to see the concert leaves having the best experience. So like, the visuals are amazing, the dancing is amazing. It, when they're changing like you know it's it's a two and a half hour concert there's a bunch of costume changes and things like that in between there's like music it's just very well orchestrated orchestrated it's a spectacle it's amazing so I highly recommend that if On The Run tour is coming to your town go see it but she's gonna be on the cover of Vogue in September go on and it's gonna be Anna Wintour's last uh, oh, issue wow. but who really cares I don't care I care a little I really don't <laughs> I don't, mm-mm. whatever. She's iconic, I guess, but I don't know that what she's actually done for fashion. The cool thing is that Beyonce's contract for the issue gives her complete control.
1: Oh, I heard this, and she hired a black woman photographer, not right? a woman,
0: a black photographer, oh. but Still to cool. shoot the cover in which is
1: historic, isn't it? Let I'm ruining your story. story! <laughs> You're taking all my punchlines. Oh no. Okay, um, go so on.
0: yes, it's a black photographer named Tyler Mitchell. He's 23 years old.
1: Yo. Yeah,
0: and it's the first time in the history of Vogue in 126 years that they've had a black photographer. What the fuck? That's <laughs>
1: insane. That's right? an insane statistic.
0: Yeah. How is that even possible? Because boring people have been in power. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, ta- you know, it takes representation and people to make diversity a priority. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that Beyonce is having this having giving this person a chance. I already started following him on Instagram. He's been doing some stuff for like Teen Vogue, I think he did some pieces on after the shootings oh. that are really amazing. I recommend checking out his Instagram, but I'm really excited. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. She's going to choose the stylist as well, so I assume that'll be a diverse human also. Um, but Beyonce is just I really love we talked a little bit about it with Brooke that she's like made it influential and exciting for women to make their own money and own their own mm, empire mm-hmm. and not apologize for it. Who run the world? Girls. You know? It's it's pretty cool.
1: Well, I was just gonna talk about FEMA and this fucking what is he, the personnel chief Corey Coleman.
0: Yeah. Tell so me more. FEMA
1: stands for Federal Emergency Management Agency. It's part of the government, right? It's, yeah. It's a federal agency. And this guy, Corey Coleman, has apparently been hiring his own friends and like frat brothers and oh, who stuff. Does this sound like? Um, our president? Go mm, on. Maybe chin scratch. Doing that and then hiring women that he just randomly met in bars or through dating apps. Oh. And then placing the women so that they can have sexual relations with his buddies. Like putting them in positions so specifically creating, so like, they can S4 meet each service? other. Basically. Yeah, it's fucked up. And what is this thing that I found? Okay, so there was a study this past spring. So I think this spring that just ended, right? Um, by the Merit Systems Protection Board. And they found that sexual misconduct, while less prevalent now than in the 90s, is still commonplace in federal offices. One in five women in large agencies said they'd experienced some form of inappropriate behavior from a co-worker or supervisor. Mm. Um, and only eight percent of those employees who said they were harassed believed that corrective action was actually taken against the perpetrators. I know it's just so and gross. And that doesn't and give icky. you any
0: incentive to to, to report, report it. it. So how many then, more are not reported? No, I mean I I can I've worked in a corporate office mm-hmm. and several and definitely have heard of women experiencing things who were very reticent to report them because they were worried about their own reputation mm-hmm. or the person finding out. Like, it's, especially when you work in a smaller place, it's very challenging.
1: And that's the same with the Leslie Moonviz. Yep. Women who, who were like, he did this, and they haven't spoken out for a long time because they were scared of the repercussions and scared of the backlash. Yep. Understandably. Totally. Nice. Um. So, yeah, this guy, Corey Coleman, resigned Good. a few weeks ago. Boy, bye. Uh, and he's under investigation now. Thank goodness. So that's why I feel optimistic. I feel like change is happening yeah people are these at movements least these it. hashtags are actually a really big
0: deal and they're changing our whole country for the better I yeah. believe I mean I think talking about it is the first step to anything
1: yeah I do too
0: and realizing that we have a problem mm-hmm.
1: going back to 8th grade this is actually a little related I'm sorry you haven't seen it yet I'm sticking <laughs> my lip out I can tell I, I see
0: that <laughs> I really want to but it's fine
1: it's great it's a really painful and cringe worthy depiction of what middle school is like. And I've heard that from multiple people who have seen the movie, which makes me think that because it's so specific, it is universal
0: mm-hmm.
1: in just that painful adolescence experience. Yeah. But specifically, there's this one scene that I wanted to talk about where she's in the car with a guy in high school. So she's in eighth grade, so middle school middle school. And she's in the car with a 12th grader, a senior.
0: Wow. Um,
1: Because, like, she was the... Like, they have this shadowing thing, so the 8th graders get to experience what middle school is like before they... Guys, this is... Spoilers, I'm really sorry. High school. Middle schoolers Um, get to... Yeah, middle schoolers get to experience high school. So she has this uh, woman who she's her shadow and they really get along and so this 12th grader is like, who's a girl, she's really sweet, invites her to hang out with her and her friends at the mall. And this guy is one of the friends. So the guy drives the the mentor home, and then it's gonna drive our eighth grader home, and she's in the back seat, and he's like, it's really hard to have a conversation with you in the back seat, and she's yeah. like, oh, should I move up to the front? And he's like, no, it's okay. Instead, he parks the car and comes into the back with her, and I'm like, oh shit, please, just this is terrible. I'm so scared of what's gonna happen, and what I liked about the scene is that it's such clear sexual harassment but it's not the way that it's often depicted where it's like the man just turns into an animal and like right. tries to ravage her because yes that does happen but also there's this really weird icky confusing gray area which right. is where this scene lives and I think this is the most accurate depiction I've seen of that where it's just this really uncomfortable like do you want to play truth or dare <gasps> and and she's like oh, okay I guess because she's, she's like a Child, And she's so, she's just figuring her shit out, and he's taking such advantage of her. And so he, like, he chooses dare, and she can't think of a dare. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. You could, like, dare me to take off my shirt. I don't know. Is that weird? That's weird, isn't it? Yes, it's weird. And she's like, no, it's okay. And so he takes off his shirt, and then he, like, dares her to kiss him. or No, he dares her to take off her shirt, and she refuses. Good. And then he like gets mad at her for refusing and just like gets back into the front she keeps apologizing and she's like, I'm sorry, that was just a lot at once, I'm not ready. And he's like, I'm just trying to do you a favor, you know, your first time is going to be with like, you know, some gross guy at a party and like you're not going to know what you're doing and he's going to tell the whole school how you were bad at it and like I'm just, I'm just trying to do something nice for you. And she's like, I'm sorry, I know. Fuck you. And like... That's such, like, gaslighting. It is. It's totally gaslighting. That's the perfect way of describing it. And it happens all All the the fucking time. time. And so I just love that Bo Burnham put this in the movie. It's such a... It's beautifully done. And it's the first time I've seen a person on screen, a main character with acne.
0: I'm so glad that he chose to make it a girl. Me too. Because, I mean, I've been following him since he was on YouTube. Like, early YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. And he's funny. And he does... Have an interesting perspective but when I first heard about it I was concerned it was gonna be like him mm-hmm. right like and I'm like whatever everyone's heard that story and it's not and, and it's that beautiful. made me so excited
1: and, and the the actress playing she is, seems amazing
0: uh, the trailers she's phenomenal her, like,
1: she's just so
0: good everyone in it is great the scariest I mean especially if statistics or anything it's like the scariest time of your life teen suicides rates are super high
1: and like you can see why watching this and remembering what it's like and going through
0: it with her. Well, and now having like social media and online bullying is like a, having Snapchat and Instagram. I can't imagine having that when I was younger. Like, oh Amy yeah, like was bad enough. Boys like, asking girls to send them nudes. Yeah, and then showing everyone. <sighs> mm-hmm. It's it's. I mean that I other... think I
1: think we talked about that on an earlier episode this mm-hmm. season. Yeah. About what do you what are the legal Ramifications That's child porn. of children showing other children yeah. nude pictures. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's it's a really interesting, confusing
0: problem. It's also terrifying that it's used for manipulation. Yes. Like so much social hierarchy stuff is happening surrounding that and the you know, the binary of the virgin or the whore is mm-hmm. such a huge thing as well. It's a complicated time. I'm really excited to see the movie. You
1: can talk about it more when you do, because I have more thoughts. But I'm holding off just for you. I really appreciate
0: you and that. Thank you. I wanted to talk briefly about the New York Times and their theater reviews. Yes. So recently, Ben Brantley reviewed the new musical Head Over Heels, which, to my sadness, is not about the '90s rom-com with Monica Potter and oh, Freddie Prinze Jr. I loved
1: that movie. I kind that movie I wish
0: I love that movie, and she lived God. with all the models in the. Loft. And there was the
1: one who was like cross-eyed. The Russian model was she cross-eyed, was a- and she was so funny. I don't know that she was completely cross-eyed. No, her just like a little
0: very bit. Very narrow. I really like her. But so <laughs> it's about it's, it. Includes the music from the Go Go's.
1: Okay, I think I don't know. Do I know their music? I don't know because when you said the Go Go's, I thought "Wake Me Up Before You Go." No. It's not that. No. Who did that song?
0: That was a good song. I don't know. You're asking all the wrong <laughs> questions. The hard hitting questions. <laughs> so the show ha- features a trans character, I think, as well as a trans performer, like a trans, actually a trans, an actual trans actor, uh-huh. um, as well as some people from RuPaul's Drag Race. Cool and. He, in his review, misgendered the person in a way that he thought was, like, a joke. He thought it was, like, a flippant, funny joke. And many people did not find it funny. Like, especially where we are in our understanding of the trans community and non-binary. Read the room, Ben Brantley. Yeah. So he issued an apology, but also, like, stop it. Your snark isn't funny anymore. Like, maybe try something else. Also, an off-Broadway musical was reviewed, *Smoky Joe's Cafe, mm-hmm. which is a great musical. The writer, Laura Collins-Hughes, made a comment... The writer of, of a review? Yeah, she wrote the review. Okay. She made a comment about Alicia Umfress's costume. Mm-hmm. She said, uh, Alicia Umfris is bigger than the other women on stage, and the costume designer, Alejo Vietti, doesn't seem to have known how to work with that, dressing her in an unnecessarily unflattering way. And then in the next sentence, she talks about the costuming of a size zero actress Mm -hmm. so in context it kind of sounds like she's saying that this fat woman didn't look good but the thin woman did Mm -hmm. i feel like it didn't she didn't need to say that she was bigger she could have just said i didn't care for her costumes yeah there's no need to draw attention to someone who is already a rarity on the stage And Alicia Umfris, who's the actress, posted a lot of stuff on Twitter, and uh, a lot of people have uh, surrounded her in solidarity, being like, don't fat shame people. It's not okay. Especially given the insatiable thing that um, Netflix has. We talked briefly about Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. This
1: just, I know that we're talking about the reviewer, and I agree that that's problematic. But then my mind also went to the costume designer, and I wondered if there's merit to what she said, and if the costume designer did have trouble costuming not a size zero woman. Mm -hmm. Because a film that I worked on, we had a costume designer who also had trouble with that. Where she, when encountered with an actor who was larger, would just... And it wasn't even subtle it would be like, I don't know, I don't have clothes to dress this person.
0: You should've, we should have like measured them before or they're, they're too big. And it was like rude to our actors. I mean, that happens. And that's something that I'm very insecure about whenever I go to fittings, because I'm not a size zero. And luckily, most costume people are like not horrible. Mm-hmm. but in general, people in fashion are like, "Oh, you're not a size zero to six. Well, like, we'll see if we have anything. If you're for costuming you. a movie or something, it's it's just inexcusable. Also, don't be rude to the person. No, because they're probably if they're an actor, they're already insecure about how they look. Period. I mean, yeah. Don't <laughs> do it. Basically, all, literally, all actors. I just take issue with that. She called the actress out and really only talked about the way she looked, mm-hmm. and that it was she was bigger than everyone else. She knows, like, yeah, fuck off. Let's don't. move on to actually reviewing the play, maybe. I mean, she could have just said that the costumes like, yeah. aren't good. I don't know. But Cora Harrington, who on Twitter, is at Lingerie Addict. I think she runs a company or a blog or something that's Lingerie Addict. She did a tweet chain about thin privilege, mm, and okay. it was super interesting. I recommend checking it out. It's essentially that thin privilege exists, and you don't realize it because you probably are thin and don't have to think about like someone commenting on you eating a snack which happened to me at work one time
1: what yeah what happened
0: uh oh I went to get a snack and someone was like oh do you have calories left today for that ew what yeah a dude yeah what the fuck yeah Laura I'm so sorry that happened people come but like that's it's a thing and I'm not I'm like a size 10 (laughs) you know so that makes me so mad was oh, it, it made me so, so mad. I can't. You can't. Yeah. But, like, that's the shit that overweight people deal with. People assume they're lazy. There's all sorts of stuff that isn't true. And Dietland, I feel like, has been doing a really great job of talking about that. But that's all I have for pop culture.
1: So we tried to record an episode last week on the same episode as we interviewed Brooke Berman. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just didn't record. So I have some things from that that we didn't get to talk about if we want to do a little throwback. Yeah. Well, one I just put on Instagram today, the Waitress Body Slam. Amazing. So if you're listening to this, you can just go to our Instagram. It's uh, P underscore SSY Power Podcast. Because Instagram won't let us use the word pussy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can watch the video of this amazing, amazing waitress. Uh, she's in Georgia. Her name is Amelia Holden. And she just takes this guy down after he touches her butt. He just
0: cops like, a feel as he walks by. And she's like, no, you don't, sir. Exactly, like and uh,
1: she called the police, and they came and arrested him. Yes, she's amazing. Um, it so really
0: fills my like delightful feminist rage. Me too. Watching it,
1: um, the guy that I am dating right now is the one who showed it to me. That's amazing. I know. He also told he's also the one who told me about the gulabi gang.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the gulabi gang, for those of you not in the know, which I was not until very recently, um, are these vigilantes in India. Um, Gulabi means pink in Hindi, and there's um, hundreds of thousands of members, people aren't sure like exactly how many. It's a secret society, right? Kind of. I think so. I don't know how secret it
0: is, actually. I mean, people know about it, but like, are they like, I'm a member of the Gulabi gang? Yeah. Like, are they telling everybody?
1: I mean, they wear, they wear the pink saris. It's a very bright pink. Mm. I don't really... That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. It started in 2010, too, so it's been around for a while in North India. And it's mostly women from lower castes, and they range from ages 18 to 60, and what they do is respond to widespread
0: domestic abuse and violence against women. Which is amazing because India is the highest rated, mm-hmm. most dangerous place for women in terms of domestic violence and sexual violence in the world right now.
1: Like, they're the ones who need this vigilante group, Yeah, and they'll try to use police first, and if nothing happens with the police, they did and there's a lack of their their police support, hands. yep, exactly. So they they will absolutely resort to physical violence. They'll resort to public shaming. Uh, They also do marches and occupations, and I think
0: they're incredible. So
1: thank you for telling me about that.
0: I also have, in rape culture, Brock Turner, Mm -hmm. trying to get his sentence overturned. He already served his all-too-short three-month jail time. Mm -hmm. If anyone forgets, he's the Stanford swimmer who was found guilty of attempted rape of an incapacitated and intoxicated girl. Just rolled my eyes because I hate him. Yeah, he's horrible. His lawyer, also horrible, Eric Molthop is appealing on the grounds that Brock only wanted outer course, not <laughs> intercourse.
1: This is not the first time I've heard it, but it still makes me laugh because it's
0: so absurd. The word outer course is ridiculous. So intercourse would actually be rape. It would be trying to like,
1: Hey babe, one might have some outer course with me.
0: Sounds so fun and fresh. I love this idea. It sounds so sexy. <laughs> oh my god, I hate everything. of course on. is defined as sexual contact over the clothes. Don't we just call that groping? Or like... Second base. Second base, yeah. I, can you not say second and base you in a court? still have to consent. Correct. To Correct. Do it. So, what the actual fuck is my first question. Agreed. And the report... So, they they were making this argument to a panel of judges as opposed to a jury, because the jury already ruled that he was fucking guilty. Mm. The panel of judges have 90 days to rule on it, but they appeared skeptical at the time, which is good, because Mm. they were probably like, we didn't have outer course back in my day, because they're all old white men, I assume. They probably. I mean, most likely, just statistically, you're not wrong. And so, essentially why he would be doing this is because he wants off of the sex offender registry. which Which he deserves to be on. Right. He currently has to remain on for the rest of his life. I do want to, on another episode in season two, talk about the sex offender registry because Mm -hmm. um, there's some question about, like, if it's actually useful. Because, I mean, the prison system in general, the point of prison should actually be rehabilitation as opposed to punishment. Yeah. And there's been studies done that being on on this registry doesn't make you less likely to, less or more likely to continue doing the acts of violence or mm-hmm. sexual whatever. But more information after I've actually studied it. Okay. <laughs> also, horrible things. Ohio State University has another uh, a case of sexual misconduct. There was a diving coach there who oh, this just makes me so sad. I'm sorry. It's I'm already a making minute. a face. Yeah, because I read it last time and it really upset me then. Uh, so, a 28-year-old coach, Will Bohoney, um, coerced a teenage diver into a sexually abusive relationship. So she was training at the diving club because she was gonna try out for the Olympics, essentially. Mm-hmm. She was really good. And so he started developing this relationship
1: grooming her.
0: Yeah, when she was 13. So he started like sending her text messages, like flirty messages, like, I have a crush on someone whose name starts with the letter E. Ew, ew, ew. And her name ew. is Esther. And she's 21 now. And she's filed a class action lawsuit against him as well as the usa diving and the ohio state university diving club time's up so and he would like send her pictures of his dick and she said that she felt forced to do what he asked because he was in a position of authority mm-hmm. and he had the power over her career so she competed in the trials for the olympics when she was 13 and they would have like one-on-one meetings in his car and they first had oral and vaginal sex when he was 28 and she was 16. Ew, what the fuck? So she told her parents about the abuse and they notified the university. He was fired and he was placed on, there's a list, it's called the USA Diving's public list of banned coaches, which also makes me be like, how often does this fucking happen that there has Seriously. to be a list, right? That's terrifying. But he was still coaching, so people like weren't checking the list or he was doing it and not the USA Diving clubs. So it's just really fucked up and I hope she wins her lawsuit because this is I really you know, disrupted her life for far too long and really impacted her. And it's just so fucked up that I'm so sad.
1: Want to talk about more things that are sad and <sighs> angry? Neil Wilson. Oh, also that I was
0: going to talk about revenge porn. We should talk about Neil Wilson. I think so too. So if you aren't familiar with Neil Wilson, which I hope by this point you are, I really hope you are.
1: If you're not, if you're educate not, yourself,
0: start following more activists on Instagram, on Twitter, read more news Nia Wilson was an 18-year-old who was actually, I think, coming home from a memorial for her boyfriend who had drowned with her older sister, Latifah, and her younger sister, who was riding the BART in Oakland, California, and she was brutally stabbed by this parolee John Cowell. Who Is was allegedly coming yeah. from a white supremacist rally. Yeah, they believe he's a white supremacist. They believe he... black. Yes, they believe he specifically was targeting black women, which... Any violence against black women is racist because of systemic racism. Like you can't, even if he wasn't a white supremacist, it's still, the rates of violence against black women are the highest of any women in the country, followed closely by indigenous women.
1: And because of this man, this
0: amazing woman who had all of this potential before her is just not here anymore. Correct. She just graduated from Oakland High School and she wanted to be a lawyer or do something in criminal justice. Um, She loved music and was an aspiring rapper. And so I really want us to say her name and make sure that there's justice for this violence against her and that we put a stop to this Like we ha- people this can't have
1: keep be- happening this is not new this is not the first time it's happened this happens all the fucking time and how many women have, has this happened to who we don't know their names even Right. who hasn't been in the news and all over Instagram and don't have hashtags like this happens every fucking
0: day Yeah. and it's not okay it's not okay I don't remember the statistic it's like it's, there's a terrifying number of women that are murdered a day oh my god I just read last night in Astoria um, five people are dead two women, maybe it was four, two women, a five-year-old boy, and then the guy. What happened? They assume it's a murder-suicide. Like, domestic violence situation. And God still damn! Right near where I used to live. But it's, a lot of it, I mean, it doesn't matter like, the circumstances, but a lot of it is domestic violence related. Um, so, we have to support women. We need to... Trust women. Trust women. And we need to view women as Valuable human beings and not just objects. Um, I highly recommend reading an article in Huffington Post by Zeba Blay. It's called On the Killing. How do you spell that? Zeba, Z E B A Blay, B L A Y. Okay. And it's called On the Killing of Nia Wilson and the Anxiety of Being a Black Woman. And it talks about her experience as being a black woman in America and that the fears of dying in in a manner like Nia Wilson are that of almost everyone. So, it's, it's a great piece, and I highly recommend you read it. They will. Revenge
1: porn. <laughs> um, we can talk about something stupid
0: instead. How about sexy science? Oh, okay, yeah, let's talk about some sexy science. So, um, I read in Jezebel about this study that they're doing at the University of Technology in Australia. They're studying... What happens in um, postcoital situations? Because generally, when they study sex, they only study they study excitement, plateau, and orgasm. But there's a fourth phase, which is called the resolution phase. Mm-hmm. So that's like what happens after you orgasm. Mm-hmm. And initially, I guess they had discovered postcoital dysphoria with women, where it's sadness, crying, anxiety, or irritability after an otherwise satisfying, consensual, good sexual experience.
1: Huh.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of, I would assume, like some sort of hormonal reaction after you have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Different people kind of have different reactions. In this study, though, they found that men have it too. So they surveyed 1,200 men from different countries about their post-sex feelings. Interesting. 41% reported that they'd ever experienced um, symptoms of post dysphoria. So the sadness, crying, anxiety. 4% reported experiencing those often. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about other than masters of sex, like the study of sex and how you like go about thinking about things like that. Mm -hmm. I've definitely had experiences. And I think also Andrew has where you just don't feel like it was good and all of it was good. But then after you're like, all right, I'm gonna um, go eat some food and not talk to you for a minute, you know, and it's nice to hear that it's not just yeah, you being broken because I feel like there's so much shame and
1: well, anything that people don't feel, anything that you don't talk about that yeah. nobody talks about is gonna have a stigma surrounding right, it. A
0: fear of it not being normal. Yeah, and I think there's already a lot of that. This is surrounding one of the things sex. I really
1: love about Ariella's Instagram posts yes.
0: because there are all these things about like farting in the TMI morning and things that you wouldn't normally talk <laughs> about. No, it's great, and I think it's amazing to have science kind of to start mm-hmm. to try to be like this is a normal human thing like yeah. humans experience this it's not just you you're not alone in your experiences
1: I'm curious to find someone actually to talk about um postpartum depression yeah because I think that's another thing that's stigmatized totally. and common and I know my mom had it yeah so it might be interesting to have some I would mom. love that yeah
0: because I really don't I've only seen it depicted in like media mm-hmm. and I feel like especially with women we're labeled as overly emotional or hysterical. So anything that falls into that, I mean, I think that's what they initially thought this was. They were like, ah, these women, so many feelings yeah. after sex. But men have it too. Yeah. They just may not have the vocabulary to talk about. Men that.
1: have feelings too. I feel like they're repressed so feelings. much, and they're not allowed to express them that they think they don't even have them. Yeah, They do. We're all human beings. Totally.
0: And I think repressed feelings can come out as anger.
1: You don't yeah, express it. absolutely, yeah. and that, and especially if that's what you're taught is the appropriate way to express things 100%. It's not a new thing that's been going on. No, um, I just it was on my list because you sent me that article about it, which you
0: don't remember sending me. I now. was, I sometimes we, when I'm we exchange a lot of articles when it's late at night and <laughs> you go on a feminist news rage spiral. news spiral or spiral like you write at 1 a.m. when you're sending your friend articles. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love your typo. Thank you. Continue. I don't remember this article at all. Oh,
1: I mean, I, I don't think I even read the whole thing because I was like, yep, this is a thing that happens. Just men yep. who will take pictures of their partner
0: mm-hmm.
1: or, you know, get pictures, receive them, and it's consensual even. Mm-hmm. And then after they break up, the man then uses those pictures to sabotage the woman's career. Really, so in the yeah. case of this article you sent me, the woman <gasps> was a principal of the school and it was her dream I remember job. This now. She was so happy to be working there. Her whole career had been leading up to it. And she and this man broke up, and he, like, sent a laptop on which he downloaded all of these lingerie photos of her and sent it to the school, and she was demoted to just be a teacher... And then, like, there were all these lawsuits and allegations against her that she had sex with, like, with students, students yeah. and with parents and with other faculty all over the school. None of which was true. Oh, this Entirely is fabricated.
0: And yeah. yeah,
1: and in the lawsuit itself, like in the court, they were using these pictures as if it were evidence and describing them in detail. And it's like the pictures are separate from
0: anything. Also, she's a fucking adult, and she should be able to choose who gets to receive those pictures and who does not. Yeah, like, showing them and talking about them in court is not. And they're still online.
1: Concern. Their pictures are still online and there's nothing that she seems this to be is able huge, to do about it yeah, and it, it
0: happens all of the time and yeah. it's horrendous and, and with like stars often the only way mm-hmm. that they get these things like recalled is money essentially like you have to pay so lots of money mail. to get people to remove them I have another
1: stupid pop culture thing tell me Kylie Jenner yeah and her lips <laughs> this is old news now because we tried to talk about this last week when mm-hmm. our podcast yes. didn't save but uh, so Kylie Jenner had these lip fillers And has built this whole lipstick...
0: Empire. Empire. Um, I mean, they have, like, they made, like, these suction-y things so you could have lips like Kylie Jenner without getting injectables. Uh Uh-huh.
1: And so now she's taken out her lip fillers, and now there's been this whole craze of, like, natural lips are in, big lips are out. And all of these black women on Instagram were like, this is a facial feature. You are trying to...
0: Commodify, um, like...
1: Yeah. Uh, Like, like this
0: is racist. It's a appropriation
1: appropriation that is the word you were trying to appropriate racially appropriate a facial feature yeah like big lips are not out or in they are just people's faces yeah and there was a woman um a black woman with very large lips who had this makeup tutorial on how to line your lips with lipstick so it it stays better it's amazing yeah it was a good it was a good tip it looked good and people were commenting like oh my god, tone it down, stop trying to be like Kylie Jenner. And she's like, literally, this is just my face and I
0: can't believe we're even having a conversation about this. It's just so fucking dumb. Yeah, it's I mean, I think that it's again the hard like the fine line between being like, I'm doing this for myself Mm -hmm. you know, like I wear makeup because it makes me feel good Mm -hmm. or I'm doing it because I'm told it's what I'm supposed to be doing.
1: I don't wear makeup
0: for other people usually. I hope that that's true for me. But I don't think I, I do. But then I'm like, does it only make me feel good because I think I look better to other people? Like, it's yeah. this whole... I keep being existential about, like, mm-hmm. appearances because I feel like there's this big... I mean, first of all, there's a whole industry, right, based on improving women's appearances. Lots of them. So it's...
1: Yeah, we live in a capitalist society and people yeah. aren't going to make money if we're they just want happy to modify, and content
0: and yeah. healthy. They want to make me feel bad and make me buy things which they're very
1: effective at. <laughs> there, I remember reading a whole thing about like the invention of these various problems, like the invention of cellulite as a problem, mm. or the invention of like flat abs as a problem. Like taking things... this have to this thing Yeah, about finding you. finding something that all women have, and identifying it as a big problem, and then marketing you tools to try to fix
0: it. In the muse! Meow. So in Omena, Michigan, which is a small town of only 280 people... They inaugurated it's their fourth mayor on Monday of not this week, but last week. The mayor
1: is a cat! Yay! It's a very nine-year-old. Qualified qualifications. I made a pun. What? Please recognize my pun. Poli- what qualifications? Oh, not bad, right?
0: It's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> so the nine-year-old cat is named Sweetheart. I assume it's a boy cat, but I have nothing that says it's very sexist. I'm going to assume me. it's a lady cat. I love it. So this cat beat out 13 dogs, a goat, a peacock, a chicken, and another cat who must have been less cute. <laughs> so the way that they do this, this is essentially just a fundraiser. There's no like actual electoral process in, in play here because more than 7,000 people voted. there's only 280 people in the town. Right, exactly. I want a vote. You could have. It was $1 a vote, and the proceeds all went to the Omena Historical Society. So it's kind of like a a raffle. That's a very good idea. So they also wanted to do a shout-out to the OG cat mayor, Mayor Stubbs, who reigned as the unofficial (laughs) mayor of Talkeetna, Alaska, from 1997 until 2017.
1: Is this the first time that this small
0: Michigan town has (laughs) has had... A a feline mayor. I'm not sure. They said they've had four mares, but they didn't say the other species of those mares. I have questions. Well, you can look it up and we can update in season two. I will. Before we wrap up... I have another thing. Okay, good. Yeah. Because before
1: we wrap up, I want to quickly mention on August 26th... Yes! And I don't know what time yet, but just put that on your calendar, guys. August 26th, there's going to be a huge rally... All over the entire country. Yay. So wherever you are, there's going to be a rally there. Um, a rally to protest Brett Kavanaugh. Yes. Who wants to overturn Roe versus Wade. Fuck that guy. So, save August 26th in your calendar. We'll as be rally there. Day.
0: We'll be there. We'll meet you up if you want to... Come in New York. Yeah. Come and murder us. Don't murder us.
1: Oh, don't murder What?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I just listen to my favorite murder too much, and George was always convinced that gonna I'm wearing my my favorite murder, murder T-shirt Maybe right that's now. Why. Yeah, but I'm I'm just just come and march with us Shout in solidarity. Out to MFM. Yeah,
1: and rally with us. Yes,
0: yes, please. So the other in the muse, please, is about our good old friend Toxoplasma Gandhi, parasite and cat poop. Oh yeah, and how it might reduce your fear of failure. Yay! I don't like to fail. I don't either. Thanks, cats, for poop. Um, So, yeah, in feline brain control news... (laughs) Loralee, this should always be a segment. (laughs) Feline brain control news. Go on. My cat has been telling me that she needs more dry food. So they found that people who've been infected with the the Toxoplasma Gandhi parasite... (laughs) you just like saying it. Toxoplasma Gandhi. Sounds like Mahatma Gandhi, but not. Yeah, I thought it was a person at first. No. So if you are infected with this parasite, you're more likely to major in business and to have started your own businesses hey, than non-infected people. That's so us. interesting. Yo, yeah it is. Hi fat. So this study is happening at the University of Colorado. And especially when you're like doing a startup, startups are super prone to fail. So it's good to not be afraid of failure. If you want your business to succeed, you've got to take chances. Mm-hmm. So this parasite is what is in mice that makes mice not afraid of cats. So the cats can eat them. Yeah. Cats are master mind control artists. So, however, on the negative side, Mm -hmm. this parasite has also been linked to a greater risk of car accidents, mental illness, neuroticism, drug abuse, and suicide.
1: Well, I don't drive a car. Yeah. And we live in New York, so I feel like we're all a little bit neurotic. Yes. So, I feel like the pros outweigh the (laughs) cons.
0: I mean, I think the pros of having a cat outweigh anything else. Agreed. Because cats, the purrs are, like, good for your heart and stuff. Yeah.
1: It's Science. It makes your bones more solid. Yeah. It helps heal broken bones. Mm-hmm. Guys, thank you so much for listening. So, yeah, Love this you. has been
0: the Pussy Power Podcast. Yeah.
1: Thanks for listening as we work out the kinks of our show as well. That's Kate Corleo. That's Loralee Tyson. As we've said, the Pussy Power Podcast. I hope you know what you're listening to. Make sure you feed your cat. And please your
0: pussy. And follow us
1: on Instagram at P underscore SSY Power Podcast.
0: Or email us at PussyPowerPodcast at Yahoo.com. Because
1: Gmail won't let us use the word pussy.
0: Neither will Instagram.
1: Yeah. And don't forget to rate,
0: review, and subscribe. Leave comments. Email us about ideas. Tell us your feelings. We're here for you.
1: We love you. Bye. Bye.